0: Mindfulness Mode 310.
1: My experiences with food, all these amazing places I visit, all these amazing people I met, and that was the real turning point that changed my life.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, Bruce Langford here, Mindfulness Mode host and creator. So great to have you with us today. And I just received an email that totally made my day this morning. It was from someone named... Katharina, So if you're listening, Katharina, thank you so much for your message. She said, Hey, Bruce, just wanted to drop a note by saying that nowadays I cannot go a day without listening to one of the episodes on the podcast. I'm subscribed and I've been listening to only this podcast. It helps me put myself in a better state of mind as I am on a journey to become more mindful. I've gone through a lot with a very hard pass from bullying to abuse to major health problems that has awoken me to be more conscious of myself and have big plans to share it with people one day. Thank you for the big, tremendous, all caps, HELP, and changing my life one podcast at a time. All the best, Kat. So Kat, I'm so glad the podcast is helping you and thank you so much for sharing it. It's awesome, like I said, to have everybody with me. And, you know, if you don't mind sharing the podcast with your friends and relatives and telling them about it, that can really help us. And, you know, dropping me a line at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com is also awesome. Today, I think you're totally going to enjoy my guest. He has done wonderful things in the world, and he's a very interesting guest. He's a photographer and a mindful one at that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to my friend Andrew. Hey, Mindful Tribe. You are going to enjoy today's episode. We are talking with photographer Andrew Darlow. Andrew, are you in mindfulness mode today? Yes, I am. I am definitely in mindfulness mode, and I am ready to share whatever uh, is in my mind today (laughs) awesome and as far as I'm concerned a photographer always needs to be in mindfulness mode at least when he's you know practicing his his uh, craft and uh, Andrew I just want to share a little bit about you with mindful tribe Andrew Darlow is an award-winning photographer he's a writer a consultant and a product developer. He specializes in helping people take better photos, organize their images and their videos, and create prints from their work. He's appeared on many radio and TV programs, including WOR Radio, Animal Planet, WLOB Boston, and his work has been featured in numerous magazines and websites, including People Magazine, Professional Photographer, and Women's World Magazine. He's the author of four photo-related books, and his newest book is called Focus and Filter, and we're going to be talking about that on the show. So, so Andrew, mindfulness and photography. I'm curious to know if I'm right about how closely they're related, but what does mindfulness mean to you, Andrew?
1: Well, yes, I do think that they are very related. And mindfulness to me is treating every day as though it's sacred and also doing what you can to make the world a better place. And in the case of photography, I do that by either recommending how people can use their passion for photography to either create income to support their family or to take pictures of pets let's say to help them get adopted or to learn how to make prints that can then go on someone's wall and brighten their day every day so those are some of the ways in which I think mindfulness and my way of seeing photography come together
0: well certainly those are some ways to help people very much so so when did you know that you wanted to have photography as part of your life? Does it go way back to childhood?
1: Yes. I think when I first felt the power of photography, I was on a trip to Washington, D.C. in sixth grade. And I had a little camera. I don't even remember what that camera was, but it's a little film camera back in the days of film. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe how great it was to come back from that trip and have pictures of my classmates have pictures of these amazing uh, national monuments. And that was one of the sparks. And then I had many other sparks. Probably the biggest one after that was when I was 18 years old. I was very fortunate to be able to receive a scholarship to live with a family in Japan for two months, right after I graduated from high school. So again, we're still in the days of film. And I had this film camera. And I brought about 50 rolls of film. And when I got back, I developed those 50 roles and I made albums and I started showing those pictures to people. And that really sparked my excitement because I realized that I could share in a way that words just could not share my experiences with food, all these amazing places I visited, all these amazing people I met. And that was the real turning point that changed my life.
0: Do you find that there's something spiritual about photography?
1: Yes, I do, because you're capturing this moment in time that will never be again. And in a way, it's like a thought that you will never have quite the same way again. So it is to me very, very spiritual and it's, it's magical. It, it, it's another word for it.
0: And when did you start your professional journey as a photographer?
1: I did that after I came back from uh, Europe. I After college, I studied international business and business, but I also took classes, and I took pictures for the school yearbook and for the school newspaper. But I didn't think I could actually make photography a career because it's not that easy, and it, it has never been that easy. Uh, it's not like you just go through a few steps and all of a sudden... You're a photographer receiving a certain amount of income and working toward a pension, etc. For for most people, it takes a lot of work. So I really didn't think of making it a career until I, after college, I went to Europe for uh, a semester, and that really excited me because just like when I was in Japan, I was taking more and more pictures all around Europe. And when I got back, I was fortunate in that. I had some family members that were in a printing company. And so I started working for the department that was doing these large prints. And so I was first exposed to this incredible program called Photoshop, which everyone knows now. Back then, not that many people did. This is 1992, 1993. Mm -hmm. And so having that experience of just retouching a sky it just blew me away and it took took me to that next step and even though I was interviewing for jobs for finance related jobs and things like that that was not exciting me being able to take this to another level really made a difference and luckily because of my training and taking courses I was able to help build a studio and we started doing uh, product photography and all different types of work for different companies like the body shop and Kenneth Cole shoes so that experience was just kind of the culmination of everything that I had prepared for but didn't realize it was going to happen, but it did.
0: So that sounds like you started as an entrepreneur at that time. You started your own business then, is that right?
1: That was actually also that company who I was doing the, the prints for, they decided to build the studio. So I had an opportunity to build, help build the studio oh. in that space. And then later on, I... I branched out on my own, but for maybe five to seven years or so, I worked in that capacity because at that time, in order to really be on the cutting edge, you wanted to be in digital photography, but digital photography was just starting. And the investment was about 30 to 60,000 dollars to purchase a system that would actually create pictures that were high quality. So it worked out well in that I was part of a larger company. And that gave me a lot of experience and having salespeople bring in work uh, really, really helped take some of the stress off the business side so that I can concentrate on making pictures and doing the retouching and getting all these ads and magazines out the door on time.
0: And now you still do a lot of work with large prints, don't you, and canvases and that kind of thing? Yes,
1: well... From that experience, again, I was fortunate in that the company purchased an Iris printer, which is was the one of the world's first, if not the first, inkjet printers, and it created very good, very high quality prints. So I started making my own prints of my own work, and then I started showing them to different schools and and different people who I respected, and then I was asked to teach a class uh, for the International Center of Photography in New York City. So I built the curriculum for the class and the way it worked was people would come in the first day, we would do a tour, everyone would have their, their film or their prints scanned on a big drum scanner another hundred to $200,000 machine and then, then then I would do all the retouching, prepare everyone's files, then the following week people would come back and I would already have their prints made. So this trained me in the world of fine art printing and the world of presentation and also teaching, all in, in, in one kind of uh, package. And, and then from there, I was able to, uh, I was asked to write a book, and that was all about printing. It's called 301 Inkjet Tips and Techniques. And because of that book, I connected with many, many other people who I knew and respected over the years. So it's like one thing after the other just became a stepping stone toward where I am now, which is a little bit different, but that's, that's a, that's another, another thing we can talk about.
0: So Andrew, what is your favorite subject to photograph?
1: Oh, my favorite subject to photograph. I don't know that I have a favorite, but I love exploring cities and towns. And so just going out and I love fireworks. I love just, I love people like that make a part of the landscape. So there's like a row of people creating silhouettes along like a a sky filled with fireworks or something like that. But I just love being out with my camera and exploring nature. I love photographing, gosh, almost everything. But I think what I love most is when I'm able to just go out and explore by myself and capture these moments in time that will never be the same.
0: Have you ever photographed the Northern Lights?
1: No, but I I have a family member who just uh, came back from Iceland in the last six months, and that's definitely on my bucket list, and it's something that I I would like to to do. I haven't done much night sky photography or Northern Lights photography, but the work that I've seen is just so captivating, so I I hope to get there. I think you uh, might live... North enough to
0: see them, is that true? No, I don't. <laughs> I have to travel someplace. <laughs> Probably I would go to I- Iceland as well. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but Iceland is a great place to go and uh, view the northern lights, I've heard. Yes, yes. There's a lot of
1: incredible pictures that have come out of there. and So that's one of the things that, that I may do in the future.
0: Right. So let's talk about your book, Focus and Filter. You're covering tips and techniques for taking better photos and finding the right equipment. Tell us about the process of putting this book together.
1: Absolutely. So this book is my fourth book. And this one came about because a publisher contacted me. They, they wanted to do a general photography book. At first, I recommended if you wanted to do a photography book, let's do something very specific. Uh, But they felt that there was a place for a general photography book. And who am I to argue It was my dream after doing a printing book and a book about how to photograph dogs and cats. I thought, this is great. I can share my tips and techniques and what I've learned uh, from others and also just from experimenting for so many years and get that information out there. Uh, Obviously, it's very affordable when it's in a book form. So that came about after being asked to do that and so I went to work and if you've ever done a book I would highly recommend so that it's not so daunting you just start writing stuff whatever the main topic is just keep writing things related to that topic so I just kept writing tips I just I I drew from things that I had already written about and I just I just kept writing and writing and writing and then I put them all in a loose loose leaf Binder, and then I presented my overview and then I started flushing out each separate tip. So the the book itself, what, what I wanted to do is make something that anyone, even if you only use camera phones, uh, can can use and actually get some real knowledge out of. And I also tried not to just show pictures from exotic locations because then I think people can be intimidated and, and say, well, I could never take pictures like this. I'll never get to this place in sub-Saharan Africa. So I took pictures in zoos and wildlife parks. I took pictures in my backyard and I really tried to make it more about the technique and less about the destination. And I can go on and on and on about some of the different sections of the things. If you have any specific questions about any, uh, Of the the different angles that include things like talking to people so that they're more, uh, more comfortable and so you get more natural pictures to how to organize your gear so that you can find things when you need them. It just goes on and on.
0: Well, I do want to ask you a couple of things about that. And one of them is, uh, what are your thoughts about how so many people now have a smartphone in their pocket and that's what they think of as their camera? Is that a good thing or is it a step backward?
1: I think it's a great thing. I think the key is that you are creating images that mean something to you. I believe that it, it really doesn't matter. Now, if you want certain types of pictures it's going to be much more difficult to make them uh, like close-ups of birds and things like that but otherwise i believe it's fantastic and i see people all the time winning contests that use just cell phones and the key is that you are doing something that is meaningful to you and possibly meaningful to someone else which is what i i love the most is that if you can make uh, take a picture and just go that next step and make a print it doesn't have to be very big it could be a four by six print uh, an eight by ten whatever and if you can just put it into a frame or put it into a mat and give that to someone it will almost always be treasured more than some the newest electronic and so I always encourage people to think about that and to realize the power they have in their hand just with that cell phone or mirrorless camera or digital SLR, which is, which is really what the book kind of mm, focuses on, more the, the higher end cameras. But that doesn't mean that uh, my book and also in general cell phones are not fantastic.
0: Right, sure. Well, one of my challenges is in organizing my photos, and I know you're an expert in that area. What are your thoughts? How can we get mindful about being organized with our pictures?
1: Yes, this is a big issue. And with that organization also comes a backup. And I have a lot of suggestions for this. I believe that the key is to find a way, even if you don't really want to do it, Find a way in your downtime to try to tag or somehow get things into some type of place. Like a shoe, we'll call it a shoebox. It's a virtual shoebox. If you can just take some time, uh, whether it's on your computer, whether it's on your cell phone, just to give things a name. And every software is different in how this works. But it's nice to just be able to quickly give it like a one or two word keyword. And I've helped my clients do this on their big collections, usually using a software called Lightroom from Adobe. And when they do that, it doesn't matter how many thousands, hundreds of thousands or even millions of pictures you have. Once you really take the time and effort to do it, then everything is at your fingertips and it's like searching Google. So that's my my best advice to anyone.
0: Hmm. Well, that sounds like good advice for sure. Well, I'd like to talk to you about how you uh, got to the point where your photos were printed in places like People Magazine. How did that feel when you opened up a magazine and there was a photo that you had taken?
1: Yeah, it's, it's very gratifying, and I I believe that things like that often come just because if you do enough things for enough time and especially if you photograph people and pets like in that case that came from my photographing jake the chug who was one of the winners of the puppy bowl which airs every year uh during super bowl sunday and so i photographed jake and his his mom (laughs)
0: lauren
1: and so that photograph Uh, they requested it. Excuse me one sec. Just fix something. Uh, That photograph was chosen because they wanted a portrait of her and her dog or just the dog alone and they chose that one. And that was used as part of a Where Are They Now? Uh, special which was on Animal Planet and that aired uh, a few times on Super Bowl Sunday maybe even uh, a day before. And in that case Jake and Lauren uh, came to a studio where I was teaching uh, a workshop and then I photographed Jake and uh, Jake's brother, Miles, and I was able to take pictures while they were doing video for the Animal Planet special. And so people had a little look at what it was like for me uh, when I'm teaching and also how I work and, and how I interact with uh, my pet models
0: Uh, interesting Uh, do you do portrait photography very often
1: I do I don't specialize in that right now mostly I'm doing consulting and teaching but if I'm asked I will I'll do portrait work and I think portrait work is is wonderful because as you know people change (laughs) you know from that's right especially when they're babies and then they just grow up so quickly I have so many photographs of my son over the years and it's just and I even included him Uh, he's probably my top model in my book uh, from when he was just a little baby to up to about 11 years old so I love portraiture and I would encourage anyone to take more pictures than you think you should and take take more pictures most people are uncomfortable not I'm gonna say a lot of people are uncomfortable being photographed however Just remember that these photographs are often going to be cherished by you and your family. And I recently lost a family member, and the Mm -hmm. photographs are are really what what we have. You know, of course, there are a lot of memories as well, but the photographs really mean a lot to us.
0: So what are some of the techniques you use, Andrew, in order to get people relaxed for a photo instead of people feeling uptight and then looking that way?
1: Oh, gosh. I think... The, some of the best tips that I use are, and it, it depends a little bit whether they're professional models or whether they are just everyday folks who don't always pose in front of the camera. But one of the things I do for both is I'll say, oh, can you look out that window and think about what you'd like to eat for lunch? And, <laughs> you know, everyone, most people enjoy food and they... Yeah it totally takes them off whatever they were, you know, thinking about, like maybe how they're looking and things like that. So I like that. And then there's other things there's um I'll I'll ask them again to look in different places or I'll say, Oh look at me and say, can you say one, two, three? And sometimes what that does is it just relaxes their their mouth and it, it helps them to again not think about what they're doing. Or a little um trick it's not really a bad thing to do but you can say oh i'm just i'm just working out the settings on my camera so just just hang tight just just hang out for a little bit while I while i get set and in that time period you could have already taken 10 pictures and you might not realize how how great they look
0: right right do you meditate is meditation part of your life
1: yes i definitely meditate this is something that I have to credit John Lee Dumas for and his show Entrepreneur on Fire because so many of his guests uh, who have been on have talked about the power of meditation and what it's done for their lives. Now, I didn't even know where to start, but because of that show and other shows, they started recommending apps like Headspace. And I settled on one called Calm. And I just love it. I subscribe to it. And almost every day, I try to do it every day, at least for 10 minutes. And I find that the there's something that happens um, usually after. Sometimes my mind is racing so much that I find it difficult uh, to, to realize how much it's benefiting me. But, but I know that it's benefiting me. And when I do really get into it and I'm able to really follow my breath and really take in the messages i feel like i can get a lot more done during the day and i feel like i just feel like a better person and i feel almost like i'm walking on air so that's why i I love meditation
0: yeah well you seem like you're a very focused person and very grounded and uh, i want to ask you what a day was like in your life when you were eight years old Were there any signs back then that you would become the man you are today?
1: Okay, eight years old, that would be about third grade. Mm -hmm. I believe I was always very curious. I was very fortunate in that my family took us to a lot of places and I believe that opened up my mind to uh, the world in different ways and I I would always meet with different relatives and and see uh, the world around me. So at that point, I was just so curious about everything in the world. And that curiosity has continued to serve me well because when I go out with my camera, it's curiosity. Also, I I would like to get some exercise, but it's curiosity that takes me that next step and that next step. Like what's going to be there? What's going to be out there for me to capture? Uh, What can I then share with others to maybe brighten their day a little bit more?
0: Do you ever shoot video or is it always stills?
1: I do. I love video. I I think video is like photography. It's magic. The fact that we can capture these moments in time that will never be there again is just incredible. So I would I love to make little videos of my son just kind of doing his thing, running around and enjoying life maybe throwing rocks in the in lake or something. And then I also enjoy time-lapse, which is like video, but it could be a, a series of photographs or it could be actual video in which I like to capture something happening like um, a train going by or uh, fast-moving traffic or uh, an animal moving. So there's some things that you can do with video or with time-lapse that... Give the images a look that is so captivating, you can't look away. And there's also the beauty of video with capturing family events. And so recently at a family memorial, I took a lot of video. And I know that that really means a lot to the people who were there. And it will mean a lot, maybe even more as time
0: goes on. Yeah, for sure. Well, Andrew, I want to ask you if you were ever bullied, or if you ever bullied anyone else, or if you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference. Well, as far as
1: bullying, I I'm fortunate that I don't, I was never beat up. I mean, I've listened to some of your guests, and it's heartbreaking to hear yeah. uh, what they said about them actually being physically um, assaulted, but. Uh, My bullying is more just kids in the neighborhood maybe running after me, trying to make me uh, scared or something like that. That's really my extent, I would say, of bullying. And I don't feel... And I've I've always felt maybe... um, Because I have family members who um, have disabilities or special abilities, I like to say. Mm -hmm. So maybe I could see... Uh, things from a different standpoint when, when I would see how people might, might look at them and wondering, well, why are you looking at them? Uh, so I kind of could empathize maybe a little
0: more from a, from a young age. Right, right. Well, as we move toward the end of our interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life?
1: Um, Gosh, there are many, but probably my dad. He's he's uh, worked very hard his whole life, but he's also a poet and uh, incredibly gifted and incredibly creative. So I, I feel uh, great gratitude for him. And I'll try to oh. hold back some tears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Andrew? I believe that when you try
1: to do good for others and you try to think about ways in which your actions can impact the world in some way, I think that's that's mindfulness. And just thinking a little bit, yes, you think about yourself, but often thinking about yourself can also benefit others. I think uh, the basic system of capitalism in that you think about yourself and your family, but you also then in, in many cases, are creating products and services uh, to help others. So that's kind of the business side also and the philosophy side of mindfulness.
0: Interesting. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Well, until
1: I started uh, meditating, I didn't realize the power of breathing, but now that I've done it so many times and I've followed my breath in and out, I I can see it even more. And I recently listened to a, a meditation and the gentleman was saying something like, Realize that even when you're not aware of your breathing, you are breathing. So that's some heavy stuff. I you know, that kind of you know, that kind of goes in and say, Okay. So I'm not thinking about my breathing, but it's still happening. So there's like a lot of things related to that that get a little bit deep in that Uh, about life in general and the way our minds work. So it's you said breathing, and it triggered that kind of uh, memory of listening to this gentleman speak all about breathing.
0: If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I believe this book
1: uh, can really make a difference in in many ways. It did to me. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yes. And so this book... It's basically two books in one. One is a, a gentleman who, unfortunately, uh, grew up in in the Nazi in Austria around the time of the Nazis, and he was put in a concentration camp. And he goes through that experience and how he persevered and what he experienced. But then he, in a separate section, he explains his ideas, it's almost like another approach to psychoanalytic thought, and he calls it logography, I believe, and he believes that if you can find your meaning in the world, if you can find a a place for yourself in the world and knowing that you are fulfilling uh, a deep deeper meaning in the world, you can have a really good, happy life, uh, or a good life. And I I believe that someone who came out of such a difficult situation to to come to this realization was very special, and I believe that it, it helps me. It helps guide me every day.
0: Can you share an app that helps you to be more mindful?
1: Yes. Well, this app helps me to find incredible places that Help me be mindful. And it's called TPE. I don't know exactly what it uh, stands for, but if you just do a search for TPE and photography app, you will find it. And what this app does is it shows you, once you put a location in, where the moon will rise, where the sun will rise. It will tell you uh, the alignment of the stars and the Milky Way and the exact time you might want to be if you want to see, for example, the supermoon coming up uh, behind the skyline in New York City. So those types of things are in this app. And I I can't recommend it enough. So there's other apps as well that I love. But this one is wonderful because you can predict and plan ahead for different uh, celestial related events.
0: Wow, Andrew, that is a really interesting app. And, you know, photography just helps us to really capture history in such an interesting way. I think that's one of the things I like the most about it.
1: Oh, absolutely. The, the historical nature of photography is one of its most endearing aspects. It's just incredible. If you take a picture of a building and that building is no longer there, you have captured a bit of
0: history. So there was a problem that you solved and you invented something called the gallery pouch. Can you tell us about the problem and how you dealt with that?
1: Well, the gallery pouch was something that came out of me being so frustrated when I would bring artwork to, let's say, a a group show or a solo show. And one really comes to mind in particular. These were white frames, very easy to damage. And I just didn't know how to properly protect them. And even if I did get them to the location and protect them, I didn't know how then to get them back so that when they came off the walls, where was all of this bubble and tape? What, was, what kind of condition was all this going to be in? So then I decided I was going to work with someone who I knew but I hadn't met in person, it's just someone who I knew through uh, a news group. and I said, "Well, can you try to make me a custom bubble bag to my size you know my size specification?" And he said, "Well, I-, I can try." So he sent me a few, and they weren't made from very good quality bubble, but they worked. And so that sparked the idea to then find as many different types of bubble that we could. And then to, to find and invest in a very expensive machine that could create beautiful seals on the bubble. And then we worked together to create a calculator and a pricing guide so that people could easily order uh, as few as one. And so that was about eight years ago. And they've sold many thousands of bags to date. And in my case, I'm not a, an employee of the company. I just receive royalty uh, as an inventor. And it's very gratifying to know that people are able to protect their artwork, all different types of artwork. We've even heard about people protecting things like mannequin parts and all kinds of different things. Because a custom bag is so useful in so many ways. So that is one of the things that I'm most proud of.
0: Well, Andrew, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. How can we connect with you and learn more about what you do
1: I think the best place is to go to my newest website, which has a lot of information also at the bottom. You can contact me if you'd like. And it's called workflowschool.com. And I created this so that I could really hone in and communicate with people who want to work on their entire workflow from capture to print or anywhere in between. And I just love helping people organize and back up and print their work and if you go there you'll see a link to receive a few pages from my book there's also some things there that are just click and and read one thing in particular that i'm very happy with is something from my book that is a a step-by-step guide to making your own sandbag so that you can support your tripods and your light stands, and to anyone out there who uses tripods and light stands, this could even be DJs, I highly, highly recommend that you put weight on them, however you do it, but if you go to workflowschool.com, you're going to see a link that you can make your own sandbags very inexpensively, and this is one of those things, I I always feel like if I can help people be safe and potentially avoid uh, catastrophe or potentially death, um, I, I, I really try to do it.
0: So so it's all there. Workflowschool.com. That's right. Yeah, Workflowschool.com. Mindful Tribe, check it out. Mindful Tribe, you might want to get out with a camera in hand and enjoy the rest of your day and get some shots and be inspired by Andrew. Andrew, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you, Bruce. It was really nice. Thank you.
0: Bye now. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, google play wherever hit subscribe and share subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air subscribe and share 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 till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode